Welcome to On the Journey Conversations. I'm your host, Sandy Wisdom Martin. Today's episode is brought to you by the Christian Women's Leadership Center of Women's Missionary Union, where God's mission is our passion. Today's guest is Dr. Pam Smith. Pam is an author and a teacher. She holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in English from Mars Hill University in North Carolina and a Master of Divinity and a Doctorate of Ministry degrees from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Pam began her ministry career commissioned by both the International Mission Board and the North American Mission Board. She served with National WMU as well as on State WMU staffs. Recently, Pam moved back to her hometown in South Carolina, where she serves as the WMU director of her local church and as leadership development strategist with South Carolina WMU. Pam, welcome to the program. We are thrilled to have you. Oh, thank you, Sandy. It's great to see you and to talk with you today. Okay, today's topic. I was staying with a friend in Texas. When I came downstairs for breakfast, she shared with me the word for the day. The word was Widdershins, W-I-D-D-E-R-S-H-I-N-S, Widdershins. Going Widdershins means going against the way, going against the norm, or going in a new and uncharted direction. I love the word of the day. So much so, I called you and asked you to lead a conference on going Widdershins. How does a leader recognize a Widdershins moment? Well, I mean, understand we're not talking about trying something new just for the sake of trying something new or being contrary as a matter of course, you know, something like that. We're talking about being willing and able to step up and lead out in a new direction against all odds when it really matters. And so for me, I turned to scripture to say, okay, when does it really matter? As I was preparing for the conference that you asked me to lead, I looked at three biblical women. I looked at Sarah, Abram's wife. And although in Genesis 12, uh, God speaks to Abram and says, I want you to leave where you are, leave your family, your father's house, your people, and I want you to go to a land I will show you. Even though God speaks to Abram directly, Abram had a Sarah. And, you know, we we figured Sarah is the one who got the household ready and got everybody organized and ready to go and And so she was willing to go when God speaks very clearly. So a Witterson's moment for me is when God is saying, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I want you to do this for me. I want you to go in a new direction, or I want you to try this for me. Another time when it really matters is when the stakes are really high. And I think of Deborah over in Judges chapter 4. And for Deborah... The Israelites had been oppressed for 20 years. The battle was on. The approaching army was coming. They needed her leadership to know what to do. God God spoke to her, told her. She shared it with the general of the army. And he said, well, I'm not going into battle without you. But she agreed to go because the stakes were very high. And I think a Wiersen's moment is in a a moment of leadership when you recognize that if, if something doesn't happen here, where God says, this is what's required for victory in this situation. You have to, you have to move forward. And so a third time, I, I looked at Esther. And when we're faced with a situation like Esther's, in the book of Esther, we read that um, Haman had hatched a plan to annihilate the entire Jewish race. And we know that that act would have jeopardized what God was doing. It would have put his mission of redemption 
for the whole world at risk. Mordecai says to Esther, you know, who knows, but if you've been put into a position for such a time as this, and she goes before the king at the threat of her own life and speaks on behalf of the Jews and saves the mission, saves God's mission. So a third Widdershins moment when it really matters to be a leader that steps up and, and leads out is when it's obvious that leadership is needed for the future to ensure the future of the ministry. So we go Wittershins when it matters, when God is clearly leading, when the stakes are high, and when it's necessary for the future of the ministry. Pam, if, if going Wittershins is going against what is expected, I imagine that there's a potential backlash from others. What are some tips you can offer for leaders for leading well in Wittershins situations? That's hard to say, Wittershins situations. <laughs> well... First, we have to be women and men, leaders of, of strong character, standing on a found, strong foundation. Uh, we have to lay that foundation. And I, I would say you do that by praying, 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 keeping on praying, praying relentlessly, persevering in prayer. You know, we want to be talking to God about every little bit of the venture in an ongoing way, just constantly talking to him about what we're facing and then get into his word to hear from him how he would respond. We're going to read the scriptures, but we're going to study the scriptures and we're going to listen for God to speak through those pages. And in the in the pages of his word, we're going to look for examples that models ways that biblical characters handled similar situations. And some of them may have not handled it well. That would just as just as much of a teaching for us as those who did handle a similar situation well. Absolutely. And the Bible is full of both successes, but a lot of failures. That's right. Um, and and from that from the word, we're going to imbibe clarity and courage. And then there'll be some who will be able to provide uh, objectivity for us. So we want to seek godly counsel from people that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt are walking closely with the Lord. But all along the way, we're asking God for wisdom. And the good thing about it, Sandy, is he promises in his word that if we ask for wisdom, he will grant it. Absolutely. So we, we ask for wisdom. So those are the those are the steps that build the strong foundation that will be ongoing, undergird everything else that we're going to be attempting to do. Prayer getting into God's word, godly counsel, and asking continually for wisdom. So building the strong spiritual foundation is critical. Well, what's after that, Pam? Well, then you start actively trying to assess the situation correctly, being sure that you've got the right information. <laughs> well, that's that sounds a little tricky to me. How good are you at assessing situations? When you're talking about a Wittershins moment and you're having to go in a direction that's not the norm, it's not expected, uh, it's, it's not what has always been done, and people are beginning to respond or there's some pressure there, then that's when it's tough for me uh, to assess correctly. I have to work at being objective in the, in the face of that emotion or pressure. Um, I, I tend to take things personally and I have to be very careful not to do that. I'm a feeler. I can, it can be difficult for me to balance feeling with fact, but I've learned some steps, some tactics, if you will, that will help me assess correctly the situation. And this is what I've learned. 
first of all, I want to get input from a wide range of respondents. And these are people that may be loosely related to the group or the ministry, but at some time, you know, they have taken part in it in some way. They may know very little of the immediate situation that I'm facing, but I want to ask them and I want to get their input as broadly as I can. But then I want to look at what I receive from them and find the common themes or threads running throughout the input as a whole. See, because this is not about opinions. <laughs> Everyone's going to have an opinion. This isn't about getting their opinions for what should happen, but this is about me as the leader getting a feel for the major issues in the situation. Pam, I love that perspective because a lot of time leaders, we are looking for people's opinions that match our own. So I love this approach that good leadership looks for a broad array of approaches and then finds the common themes. If you're a leader who says, well, I, I see all this input, but I don't see the themes. I don't understand how you're, how you're finding the threads through here. Um, and you're not that intuitive person. You may want to find a, a partner who can help you or as you read and, and summarize, you know, uh, information. But you want to find those threads. And then, then you also want to get input from your stakeholders and say, this is something I learned from you. These are the people who have long-term investment in the ministry that you're leading, the ones who will be directly impacted by any decisions that you as the leader make. And you want to mine that group for information on the situation. Find out you know, from them the impact and, and what they're up against as they're looking at the same situation. Now, these, these folks will have more in-depth knowledge about the situation than the wide range of respondents. But again, you're looking for the themes, looking for the threads. I love that you use the word mine because with your stakeholders, that group can help you know where the landmines are that mm-hmm. uh, you're going to encounter. And you may decide... We're going to step on them anyway, but at least they can help you identify them because they're the ones that have been in the trenches and have done the work and know the lay of the land. Right, right. You say step on them anyway, at least you know to develop a plan that once you step on it, you have a plan to go forward. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> That's a real good idea. Uh, <laughs> And then you also want to have conversations with other leaders who are in similar, maybe in similar situations or have walked through winnership moments um, and they know your situation. They're interested in having you as the leader succeed or you or the ministry succeed. They're, they're these people that, that are come alongside you and, and say, you know, I've been here before or I'm with you as you go and we're going to work. We're going to do this together. And so you want to have conversations with other leaders who are in similar situations, get input from them. Now, I also think you, we need to have uh, people who know the history. I've, I've seen through 40 years of ministry, I've seen people come in as a new person into a situation and they make changes, you know, off the bat, right off the bat, without understanding why things are the way they are before they make the change. It's what they call the old cliche, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. <laughs> But you want, to, you want to talk to people who know the history, why things are the way they are. And you want them to help you understand why the situation may have come to where it is. But then you know where you need, maybe need to go. And then finally, remember, you're, you're praying, you're reading scripture, you're asking God for wisdom. And so you want to take note 
of the Holy Spirit speaking to your spirit. Those gentle nudges, that intuitive quickening. He's very interested in this. See, this is the good thing. God has put us in this position of leadership for such a time as this. And it's his mission. He's very interested in what we're doing. So if, you, if you're getting all of this input to assess the situation correctly, the Holy Spirit is going to be speaking. He's going to be gently guiding, opening your eyes to see new things. And so you want to you take note of the Holy Spirit speaking to you. So we're going Wittershins when it matters, when God is clearly leading, when the stakes are high, and when it's necessary for the future of the ministry. And then you talked about assessing correctly. I heard you say we need a range of input. You need to develop common themes. You need to know and understand the history. And you need to be aware of what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. That's assessing correctly. That's step number one. Pam, what's step number two? What do you do next? Well, step two is you want to act wisely. So first, you want to research to identify best practices. Now, your research may take the form of more conversations, reading, or online research. Um, You may even consult a professional leadership coach. But if you want to know what to do, you'll need to know what others have done and what has worked or not worked. Yeah. Then consult the calendar. Because timing is critical, and it can make or break your planning. So you want to be sure to think through what's coming up, along with how quickly you feel like you must act, and all of the timing issues. You want to be very careful about the timing. Thirdly, you want to identify supporters. And these are the people of like heart and mind who will take the journey with you. You know, they share your vision. They'll be your prayer partners They're willing and courageous enough to go with God alongside you. I mean, think about, again, Scripture. Moses had Miriam and Aaron. Joshua had Caleb. Mary had Elizabeth. Jesus had his 12 disciples, along with the women who followed and supported him. Paul had Timothy and Luke. You want to identify those people who can come alongside, who want to come alongside in a powerful way and support this effort. And finally, then, you'll ultimately arrive at a specific action to take. But once you do, once you know what that action is, having put all of this information together, you want to wear the decision around for a few days (laughs) or a few weeks, maybe. See how it feels. And during that time, God will either confirm with his peace that it's the right action to take, or he will disturb, and you'll know that you need to reevaluate. So, Pam, as a leader, are you keeping this within yourself? Ultimately, you are the leader, and you will make the choice. You, yeah. you have to make the decision and take the action. But those supporters, those who who say we're we're in this with you, we're praying, we're we're committed, we believe in what you're doing, we are following. That's the folks you can talk to. I think that, those are the ones who you can bounce the ideas off of. You know, you do need a group, a group with you, around you, with whom you can bounce the ideas off of. In a safe, in a safe atmosphere. Yes. Knowing that it won't go anywhere else. Right. Right. Because there's nothing worse than being torpedoed before you even start. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And then once you have an idea of the action you need to take, you want to develop your plan with, with all the information you have. Now, there are 
organizational and lead or, or leadership models available to use as frameworks for developing a plan. And so you want to choose a model that best fits you and your situation. Remember that the greater the potential impact of your decision on the ministry, the more carefully thought out and detailed your plan must be. The greater the impact, the more carefully thought out and detailed the plan must be. And you say, well, but I don't have all the information. I just know what I know now. And that's okay. With the information you have, you develop a plan. This is, this is what our friend Carol Childers would say. The idea is to channel the available resources in a way that will best match the opportunity and allow the leader to be laser focused on the goal. As you're developing the plan, the idea is to channel the resources that will best match the opportunity and allow the leader to be laser focused on the goal. Man, that is so incredibly hard for a leader who's being pushed and pulled in every direction possible, even to find space to think and develop a strategy to become laser focused. That's a hard task when so many people are pulling at you and vying for attention and there's so many decisions you have to make and so many things that you have to speak into. Absolutely. How do you create space? Like you said, very, very difficult, but it has to be a priority that comes before everything else. Yeah. And I think it also has to do with keeping your spirit, protecting your spirit. When I'm pulled in every direction, my spirit can get all in a turmoil. And so having the wherewithal to protect my spirit and my spirits, to keep my spirits up, you know, to know, to keep my focus on the fact that this is God's mission. This is where he's leading. I've taken all the steps that I know to take. I've done the very best that I know to do. I've gotten the most information that I can possibly receive. I'm following the Lord in this, keeping that your eye on that goal. For me, that's helpful. Standing firm on a spiritual foundation, making every effort to assess the situation correctly, moving through the process of being sure you're acting wisely. But it hurts along the way, doesn't it? When in those Wittershin moments and you're taking those arrows and all you can do is stand there and take them. I've learned some things about how to respond because that's the third step of of a Wittershin's moment, really. Okay. The first was to assess correctly. The second is to act wisely. And the third is answer properly. And let me just briefly tell you about how that works. Yeah, talk to me a little bit about what that means. I've learned that you have to allow time. Don't rush to judgment or response as the errors are coming. But give yourself some time to to take a step back, breathe, think things through, You want to get to the place where you're not reacting emotionally and you want to speak intelligently. That's what I have to think through what I want to say. So you want to allow some time before you before you judge or respond. The second thing is you you want to strive as best you can. And this is the hard part for me. But you want to strive to be objective. Now, say you've poured your whole self all of your energy into this for months or years or whatever it's, you know this journey has taken you. You've been careful to assess the situation. You've made the best decision under the circumstances. You've sought the Lord. You believe he's spoken to you and you're immediately hit with that criticism. 
it's hard, but you just want to try to be objective and see things from the criticizer's point of view. And then, if necessary, to respond. And by the way, it's not always necessary to respond. Oh, that's a good word. But if necessary to respond, you want to respond with the right amount of information because not everybody needs to know everything. And plus, you want to answer only the issue at hand. So whatever the attack is, whatever the spear of that arrow is, that's the issue you want to answer, not the whole, not the whole quiver and <laughs> bow and everything. <laughs> and then, um, and you want so you want to answer with the right amount of information and with the right amount of forthrightness, because after all, you're standing in the confidence of a decision rightly made and an action rightly taken because God has led you there. And so this is not the time to shrink back. You're the leader and you own your leadership. This probably is one of the most important characteristics of a leader. Um, mm. the, what you've just described right here, to be able to look someone in the eye and kindly tell them why you took the action that you took and not harbor ill will toward them for their opinion of your action. Mm-hmm. And that's that's hard to do as a leader, because like you said, we are so incredibly invested in what we're doing. If we weren't passionate about what we were doing, you know, we wouldn't be the leader. And so right. we, we believe in what we're doing and we believe in what we're leading others to do. Right. And well, and then when you're answering, when you are answering, and this leads to what you said, you want to answer always in love. Yeah. Always in love. Sometimes with silence. <laughs> Sometimes when that criticism comes, you can just be still and let the results speak for themselves. Anything else that you'd like to add? I just want to say, for me, it's all about God. It's his mission. And like I said earlier, he invites us in because he wants to bless us. He wants us to have part of it. He wants us to be part of what he's doing and get, and receive the blessing. And while he's given us a position of leadership that sometimes is difficult, especially in a Witterson situation, while that's difficult, we're learning, growing, but it's all about him. And he is with us. He is leading. He's guiding. And so I think for me, that's how I keep my focus is I just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blessing. Thank you for the opportunity. Now take care of this. He also promises in the Old Testament, you just stand still, I'll fight the battle for you. Absolutely. And I think that everything that you're experiencing today prepares you for the assignments that he has for you tomorrow. And nothing is wasted in kingdom economy. Right. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Sandy. Oh, oh, this is great. Pam, thank you for being with me. I I sure appreciate what you've had to share. I am so excited that you were willing to take on the challenge, defining what this word means for a leader and helping us understand as a leader when we need to go Wittershins and what would be the proper approach to going Wittershins. I just so appreciate you. I always have. I always learn from you, but I always, always laugh with you. And I love both of those things. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Sandy. Love you, my friend. Love you, too. Take care. Going Wittershins when it matters. Thank you for listening to On the Journey Conversations.